Well, good afternoon, and welcome to this edition of the 21 News Podcast. I'm Managing Editor Justin Mitchell, and this is a special edition here where we're talking about a, a brand new show that we're launching on Tuesday, October 17th, uh, that's going to really change the way that in-depth journalism looks in the Valley. It's called 101 West. It's been months, years in the making and in the discussion. Um, and so with us today, we've got our assistant news director, Sheila Miller. We've got Robert McFerrin, who, what's your title, Robert? I'm digital content digital manager. Digital content manager and all-around news guru. And in a little while, we'll be joined by uh, Madison Tromler to talk about this this really exciting new uh, new broadcast that we're going to launch. So we're going to start. Sheila, let's talk about what what is this show? What is 101 West? 101 West is the brainchild of our news director, Mona Alexander. Um, she's always wanted to do these long-form pieces. Um, you know, a traditional 6 o'clock or 11 o'clock news reporters have about a minute, minute and a half to put a story together. Um, and sometimes things get left on the cutting room floor, so to speak. So this will um, dedicate 30 minutes, um, sometimes to one story, sometimes to two, sometimes to three stories, however it pans out, so that we can go more in-depth. And that's what we like to do. We like to tell a lot um, more about a story or about a topic. Um, there won't be a, a, a strict um, schedule for this show. It's not like every first of the month or anything. It's going to be when the best um, stories come together and we can put together a good show, um, a good newscast. But it's like a dateline or a 60 minutes, um, but it's only going to be the 30. And it's definitely going to be hitting on stories that are local. Um, and some will be, you know, maybe a feature, maybe a profile of somebody that's everybody's heard about, but when they find about the background of this individual, they're going to be like, wow, you know, didn't realize he or she did X, Y, and Z. Um, but then we do want to get into some issues where we really can uncover um, some facts and, and issues that need to be revealed, quite frankly. And and we've been working on this concept. I mean, I know you mentioned Mona. I mean, I'm sure, you know, we've had conversations with Mona for years now where I remembered we'd sit in her office and she would have this vision of this show where we could go deeper than anybody around here goes than really any market anywhere. I mean, you could look at the biggest markets and they really don't do what we're going to do here. And I remember her saying, and we're going to call it 101 West. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and, and that's just, that's the address here. That's it's our right. address right here in downtown Youngstown where so much news passes through and we, you, you know, you hear about a lot of stuff and you're watchdogging a lot of stuff and right through this, this sort of nerve center, we are able to take this, take journalism in the Valley to another level. So, I mean, I want to talk about why that's unique and why that's important a little bit, because this really is a unique concept. This is not something, this is not slash and burn journalism. This is not, this is not newspaper in depth. This is not, you know, a three minute story that goes deeper than your average minute 20. This is really, really hard work. And I just want you guys to reflect on that. Talk about what this means to you guys and why it's important that we do this. I mean, we've been doing our, our watchdogs and, and pushing our watchdog brand here for several years. I mean, as we know, the industry is changing and we, we really need to up our game because people need to be held accountable. We need to be here for the people. That's what we do. And I think this gives us a perfect venue to do something like this. I mean, we do lots of research in this. 
And on a newscast, you know, we have to make it in a time format that works, but this gives us an expanded venue for that. Plus, we're locally owned, and we pride ourselves so much with that since 1953, I think. Um, and a lot of local people that live here work at WFMJ. Um, and over the years, we've just done so many programs, whether it's a 30-minute program on how to save money we've done. We've done programs during the coronavirus, um, how to keep people healthy. Um, we've just done, uh, you know, a lot of criminal stuff. We've done extended news programs, um, but those are event-driven. And this one, you know, we're going to find topics that aren't so much event-driven. So we're just always innovating here and always wanting to keep striving and doing better. And this is just another notch in the belt is all it is. Yeah, the landscape has changed so much over the years, and people consume news differently than they used to. Mm -hmm. And... What could get lost in that if there isn't something like this is attention spans get shorter, people read headlines, people take in less information. And, and so we really see it as our role to tell people what they need to know beyond that, to go much deeper. Mm -hmm. Listen, there's, there's two sides to every story. Nah, there's probably five or six sides to every story, and there's information missing from all of those sides. And if you really want to be informed as a viewer, as a citizen, as a resident of this valley, then it takes the kind of hard work that we're doing here. And, and Sheila, like you mentioned, this being a, a locally owned station, we have a freedom here mm -hmm. that not everybody has. So it's not even necessarily, when I say this is unique, any, you know, anywhere across the country. That's not really necessarily a knock on any other station, but there are constraints that we're not bound by because we have ownership and leadership that believes in this kind of journalism and our ability to do it. Mm -hmm. Now, this one, this first one that's coming up next week on Tuesday, this is going to be a single issue show. And, and I'd like to, we're going to bring Madison in now also um, to talk about what that issue is, which is that you guys have probably heard about the Sobe energy plant that's planned for downtown Youngstown. There have been protests, there's been a council resolution passed, and there's been a lot of concern raised over the central question that we're looking into, which is whether or not this new technology is safe. And so, you know, Robert and Madison, I'd like you guys to talk a little bit about the kind of work that went into tackling that yeah. question. Yeah, well, we spent months and months, what, it was, it almost felt like a year. I mean, we spent months digging into this and really trying to learn about what it is that's going to be going on here. And I know, uh, Sheila, you all mentioned how, you know, we only really touch the surface with a lot of television news. I think that's the case across the country. But since I've been here, I know you guys have pushed for digging deeper. And I think that's what we're able to do when we see an issue that is not black and white. There's a lot of gray areas with certain issues like this. So we've been able to take this, which is a new technology that's coming into the city of Youngstown. This has never been done before in the United States where they are taking tires, superheating scrap tires, and converting them into energy to provide heating and cooling to downtown businesses. So that's new technology that's coming to the city of Youngstown. And it's by a company called Sobe. You know, a lot of people have heard about it, a lot of controversy. And it's issues like this that really are not black and white. We looked into what are the benefits of this? What are experts saying are the concerns? 
We talked with one, you know, we talked with a former US EPA uh, regional administrator, the longest regional administrator, to talk about why she fears this proposal. But we also spoke with people who've been advocating for pyrolysis all their life and believe that if it is done correctly, it can have a lot of benefits. So I think in this case, we have something that's new and we wanted to take the time to look into all the concerns people are voicing as to is it safe and what is pyrolysis? And what are the re regulations involved between mm -hmm. the US EPA, the Ohio EPA? What are the regulations? What are they allowed to legally do here? Right. And it's complicated because there's a lot going on with the regulation and a lot of recent developments. So I think it this was the perfect story to start with, with something that is happening right now in our community. People are concerned about it. And as we know right now, um, you know, construction is underway. We know that the Ohio EPA has um, allowed them to move forward with construction and start uh, start these operations. So we want to answer people's questions. People, you know, who live here, people who live down the road, they want to know, is this a safe plant for the community? And, you know, we, we of course, did an in-depth interview as well with the CEO of Sobe, David Farrow, where we sat down with him and and, and, in, and this is a situation where we strive to be as fair as possible and hear exactly why he says that this is revolutionary. This is something that's unique. And we wanted him to have the opportunity to explain that and, you know, explain to people why he thinks that all of their concerns will not be an issue because he says he has processes in place. So now, I mean, we, we've mentioned the concerns that people have, and, and that has been a day-to-day -day news story. We've certainly seen people show up and say that they are fear that this could be dangerous or that there could be concerns that, uh, that this is untested, but they've not gone much further than that in any of the news coverage. So I want to talk a little bit about how far you guys went to, to really the, the caliber of experts that you, you've sought out. So can you, you talk about some of the people you found and what their backgrounds are so that you were able to get a, a, a well-rounded idea of what this technology is and what concerns may or may not be founded? I mean, because we're talking looking far and wide around the world for the best experts in this. Right. And, and we did go around the world, literally, to talk to experts. We, we talked with several people. We we decide whether they were good enough, whether they were, you know, in the areas that we needed expertise in. And we talked to several before we found the ones we really wanted to talk with. Because it's meticulous. I mean, there yeah. are lots of people who are experts in the industry, but for what reason, one reason or another, may not work for this. They may be on a payroll with something related to the industry. They may be, you know, decidedly on one side or another or, you know, paid by somebody that may have a dog in the fight. So we really sought out people who were truly independent, right? I mean, who are some of the right. people we've talked to? Yeah. And that's the thing is we wanted to make sure that we're we go global and find experts. One expert we spoke with, um, Lee Bell, he lives in Australia. Another expert we spoke with, Dr. Christian Roy, he's in Quebec. Uh, Christian Roy manages his own pyrolysis operations out of Quebec. He's dedicated his life to this. Um, Lee Bell has been teaching about pyrolysis and involved with different organizations that look into different conversion technologies all his life. So these are people who are engineers. You know, they've spent their life learning about this and the different kinds of pyrolysis. And the reason, Justin, I think that we needed to 
get global experts is because of the fact that pyrolysis in this case, where they superheat tires and convert scraps of tires into energy, it hasn't been done before in the United States, but it has been done before on smaller scales and commercial scales across the globe. So we had to, we had to really expand our horizons so that, you know, so that it's fair and so that we're talking to people who understand pyrolysis and what makes it safe. And so the, and the point behind all of this is that this can't be done in a day. This is not a day turn kind of a story. And, you know, I'm sure people listening to this may have some sense, but, you know, in a day-to-day working newsroom, there's a lot of pressure. You've got a lot of broadcasts to put on. There's a lot of effort that goes into just turning out the news every day. And so I just really want to stress what an extraordinary commitment has to be made to set aside the months to a year that has gone into this one story to make sure that we, you know, I mean, there's day-to-day sacrifice in our newsroom in order to make this happen that we're committing to because you're not going to find experts across the globe and be able to vet them as well as we were able to vet them. And then we also sat down for the only in-depth exclusive interview with David Farrow to hear from him about why he believes that nobody should be concerned. Um, and, and, and talk a little bit about what he had to say and, and what his demeanor was. Well, Dave Farrow has, since the start, he has been very um, confident that this technology is safe, is green, is profitable, and he has believed in it from the beginning. Of course, he's the CEO, and he's been you know touting this for the whole time. I mean, he's been very, very adamant about that. Um, and he's, he's big on the fact that, you know, it is new and it hasn't been done before in the United States. So how can anyone else speak against it if they haven't seen it themselves? So that's his argument is that he has proprietary systems in place because in this industry, a lot of the way that the systems work, it's confidential because they don't want to give up competitive advantage. So he has explained that all these concerns people are voicing, he believes are not valid because he thinks their systems, well, not that he thinks they're not valid, but he thinks that they're not going to come to fruition because of the systems in place that he feels will um, fix any issue, whether that be a hazardous fire or any kind of emissions that people are concerned about. Um, So that's really what he's been stressing is that people shouldn't be concerned. And he said that this isn't the coal-burning plant that was here before. He said this is a lower level emissions than that. So that's an argument of his as well, that he said, well, you know, we're we're doing something new here. Um, but at the end of the day, I think he's, you know, that does require trust from the community. So he's, you know, really asking the community to just to be willing to listen and I think, you know, open up their minds to maybe some of the things they don't know about the technology. And so for a community to be able to trust anything like this, they need a lot of information. And that goes back to the core focus of what this show is and what it will be in the future, which is the ability to really give you deep quality information that goes beyond just the, the, the simple who, what, why, where, you know, when and how, but really, really is actionable. You'll be able to watch this broadcast, and if you're concerned about Sobe, you will be able to make up your mind as to whether or not you are satisfied this is safe or not. 
We're not going to tell you definitively because that's an unknowable thing, but you will hear from the best experts in the world. And, uh, and moving forward, that's the type of thing that, that this, this broadcast will be able to do. It'll be able to go much deeper. So, I mean, Sheila, where do you see this heading in the future for uh, additional Well, that's what I was going to piggyback on what you said that, you know, when you watch our six o'clock news, we define it as 21 News, the watchdog station. Mm -hmm. And we have been doing that and it is catching on. And that's what the show will continue. Uh, This first show is a watchdog report, uh, 30 minutes worth of a watchdog report. Um, And we encourage uh, people to email us, too. We're going to launch the watchdog email address um, to send us ideas. Um, but like I said earlier, it'll, it'll be some of that. It'll be, um, like we were calling a slice of life, maybe story that's in there. Um, we do want to do some profiles because we do believe we have some, um, incredible people in our val- valley that make a lot of contributions, um, and are very successful. We'll do some of that. Um, but for the most part, we're going to stick to that watchdog label and try and come up with stories that help people make decisions about something or hold people accountable. Um, there's a lot of tax dollars flying all over the place in the Mahoning and Shenango Valleys. And sometimes, and people are very touchy about that topic. Um, and if we can uncover something, um, a lot of people are employed and get paid by taxpayers' dollars. And um, they're the ones that need to be um, addressed and asked certain questions. And like we said, we're not out to get anybody. We just want to hold everybody accountable. And that's, you know, part of our job. We're working for the people. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And and that's that evolution I talked about earlier in the way people consume news and the way news is delivered. This is an extension of that. You know, people, there was a time where you learned about things for the first time when you watched the evening news. Well, now you probably learned about things when you got an alert on your phone or saw it on a social media feed. So the evening broadcasts now provide context to what you've learned all day. We will be able to go deeper. And then that's just your day's news. And if that's where it stops, there's a lot of unanswered questions. So that's where your watchdog branding goes in. That's where you start making sure that everything's on the up and up. That's where you get into keeping people honest. And sometimes that's where you got to you, you get to tackle really big questions that take a lot of work. So if nothing else, I would say that this show is a commitment. It, it's a statement of our commitment to be able, to always being ready, willing, and able to do the hard work and the heavy lifting for you, the viewer, as a citizen of this valley, because we're part of this valley, we care about this valley, and this is work we truly believe makes this valley better for you. And, and we're asking if you have an idea of a story, if you have something that you want to tell us, something you know about that would make a good watchdog story. I mean, some of our best stories come from tips from anonymous people. So if you have a story, there's mobile ways you can reach out to us. We do have the email that Sheila said, watchdog at WFMJ.com. You can call the newsroom, ask for the watchdog department, 330-744-8821. Absolutely, absolutely. And so um, I guess to wrap up here, 
How can they watch this show again? All right, so that's what I was going <laughs> to say, too, that like I had mentioned earlier, it's not scheduled for a certain quarter or anything. And just like with this um, show, this inaugural show, you know, it was supposed to, I think, go on the air maybe in, in the spring. But because we are so adaptable and so willing to get the best product on air, we kept sliding it. We wanted Faro. We slid it some more. We needed some more documents, whatever, slid it. So with all of that being said, it's landing on October 17th at 7 o'clock on WFMJ. And after that half hour airing, it then will be posted on our website, WFMJ.com and on our 21 News app. Um, but later down the line, whenever, you know, more stories gel together and we got another good half hour, we'll slide that into our programming again. But we obviously want everyone to tune in Tuesday, October 17th. Anybody want to add anything else? Well, I wanted to add that I think just an extension of what you guys were saying, I think this show is really allowing a platform to do what we've been doing and doing these kind of watchdog reports that I've noticed since I started here three years ago, uh, I can't remember, but uh, in May of 2020, I noticed, you know, I heard the word watchdog and I noticed what was going on here. And I was like, okay, this is definitely different. Not every TV station, I think, cares as much about going this deep. I think, um, I think that we value, you know, good journalism. And I think this show is really giving us the opportunity to do what we've been doing, but take it a step further. You know, when I ask for five minutes on a 6 p.m. newscast, it's not, you know, always feasible, but now we actually have a show that's dedicated to the kind of work that we don't always have time to put in the 6 o'clock newscast. So this is fantastic and a great opportunity to shed light in the community. Yeah, and again, send us those emails, give us those calls. Sometimes people think we're magic and well-knowing, but we're not. If you've heard about something that should be looked into, we will look into it. We can't make you promises, but we will look into it.